speak to us from your word. I pray that I will decrease and Christ will increase as beautifully as he is. Convict us of our sins. Continue to sanctify us as we are in Christ. And I pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, as you can see behind me, the gospel of The reason is being is because I'm going to start venturing through this marvelous book. Um, starting today and until an unforeseen future, we will be studying the Gospel of Luke. <laughs> I don't know how long it will take us. I know it will take us weeks upon weeks and years upon years. Um, I have noticed uh, from other preachers uh, that it took them at least eight years to complete uh, the Gospel of Luke. So with that being said, I ask for your patience. Um, It will take a lot of patience for us to get through this book. Because what I'm going to do is just go by verse by verse until until we... Uh, There we go. Good job. Um, Yeah. Until we complete this book. So I pray for... I pray that the Lord will allow us to do that. What I want you to do is turn to Luke and look at the first chapter, verses 1 through 4. First chapter, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read from the ESV translation. Please follow along in your copy of the Bible. It says, And as much have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you have that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. The first five, I mean, the first four verses is a prologue or an introduction to this gospel, to Luke's gospel. If you really look at it in Greek, the sentence structure is only one sentence, but it has been broken down in four verses for us. This is quite common for authors to do that in the first or Second century, uh, Josephus has done it, who is a Jewish historian. 
Um, obviously, Luke has done it, and many other writers have done it. We do it today. Uh, we will put name a letter, say dear, or we would say to whom it may concern. And as we can notice already, that this particular letter was addressed to Theophilus. Luke's target audience for his letter is written to Gentile Christians. And his main point is to let Gentile Christians know that Christ is not only the Savior of the Jews, but the Savior for Gentiles. And this is quite obvious because, again, this, this letter is written to Theophilus, who was a Gentile as well. I want you to take note, notice of verse 1. And look at the word many. The word many here refers to other authors who have personally heard Jesus and they were compelled to write down what they experienced and all the things that the Lord had done while he was on earth. This word is not referring to the apostles. It's not referring to the prophets. It's referring to other people who have who were not apostles and prophets. During Jesus' ministry, we know he preached the gospel, performed miracles. He was betrayed by Judas. He was persecuted by the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court, and condemned by Pontius Pilate to be hung on the cross. Everyone and Israel knew these things. They knew this as historical facts. Everyone took notice of all the things that, Jesus, that happened to Jesus. This is what, why Luke said, many have compiled a narrative of all the things that were done. A good example of this is in Luke chapter 24, verses 18 through 20. Uh, This is, if you can turn there, uh, this is after the resurrection of Jesus, which he appeared to two of his disciples on the role of Emmaus. Jesus did not allow them to know his identity until the end of their encounter with him. Luke 24, verses 18 through 20. When Jesus appeared to them, he said, What is this conversation that, that you are holding with each other as you walk? And the disciples, and one of the disciples, uh, by the name of Cleopas, said to Jesus, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened? And as you continue to read, you will find out that what Cleopas is saying, you are, are you the only one in Jerusalem who does not know what happened to Jesus? Unbeknownst to them, they didn't know that they were talking to Jesus 
personally. So the point that I'm making here in verse 1 is that many people knew. It was known to all of Israel. According to verse 1, Luke does not tell us who were the authors that compile accounts of Jesus. We do know that there were many authors. The authors who wrote their account of Jesus preceded the Synoptic Gospels, or the the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, The difference between the four Gospels that we have in our Bible and the accounts that the other authors compiled is that the Gospels are divinely inspired and inerrant. Divinely inspired and inerrant. What do I mean by that? Is that God has supernaturally inspired the words of Scripture for, to illuminate to us what he wants us to know. And the word inerrancy means that Scripture is without error. There are no contradictions or error in Scripture. We cannot say that for the other authors. So presumably speaking, it could have been that Luke wanted to make a correction to all of the, the accounts that was about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know this is to be true from Scripture. Scripture testify about itself. In First Peter, I mean Second Peter chapter one verses twenty and twenty one, it says, No prophecy of Scripture comes for someone on interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Paul said to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God. When we are reading scripture, we are reading the very words of God that was written down by men. And they were guided by the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly what Luke did. This is why we have his gospel along with the other gospels of the Bible. Luke wrote his gospel as he was guided by the Spirit. He made the corrections to the other accounts that was needed, presumably speaking. This should bring us comfort. And knowing that we have an accurate account of the Lord's life death, and resurrection. Presumably speaking, if Luke's gospel was the only gospel that we had, it would be sufficient enough to know 
about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because it was guided by God the Holy Spirit. And God can do that. Um, Luke was not a disciple of Christ. Luke was not a disciple of Christ, nor was Mark. So, ask yourself, how did Luke retrieve the information he needed to complete his gospel? What were some of the methods that he conducted to complete his gospel? Since we know that Luke was not a disciple and nor was Mark, but we do know that Jesus had other disciples apart from the twelve. He had, at one time, he had 70 disciples who he sent out to cast out demons and to heal the sick. He had female disciples. We know some of them by name. Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute and was demon-possessed. Joanna. And also Susanna, who was a manager in, um, in the household of Herod. So we know that Jesus had more disciples. It is likely that he received his information from the Apostle Paul if he had not received his information from the disciples during Jesus' ministry. Uh, Luke was a companion of Paul. He traveled with Paul on several missionary journeys, and we know this to be true because when you study the book of Acts, you come across different chapters, which is considered as the we chapters. When Luke said, we did such and such, he is speaking of himself alone with his companion Paul and other people who was traveling with them. We see that in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, uh, when Luke wrote, as we were going. In Acts chapter 21, verse 1, Luke said, and when we had parted. And also in Acts 28, which is the last chapter of the book of Acts, when Paul was facing imprisonment and heading to Rome, Luke records, we was there. We don't know too much about Luke. Uh, we know that he was a physician. That's all that we do know. Uh, he only, he's only mentioned three times in the Bible. That's in the book of Colossians, uh, Philemon, verse 24, and 2 Timothy. Despite that, here's another possibility I want you all to be informed of. It's that it's a possibility that Luke could have received his gospel from Mark. Mark's gospel was written at least ten years earlier than Luke. And at least 60% of Mark's gospel is similar in content with Luke's gospel. 
This is why we call Matthew, Mark, and Luke the synoptic gospel, because they all summarize the same thing, and they all have similar uh, content in the books. But when we read verse 1, we kind of get the idea that most likely that Luke received his gospel by oral tradition. By oral tradition. That's just another technical term of saying word of mouth. Uh, some people might say that word of mouth is an unreliable way of retrieving information. But we're talking about first century people where they did not have television. They did not have a smartphone at their fingertips to retrieve all the world's information. Word of mouth was very reliable then as it is now, today. And as Luke interviewed these people, he jotted down the information that he needed under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Because we conduct, when we talk about word of mouth, we conduct ourselves in the same manner. If you share a story about a person, and that person shared the same story about that person, and it goes on and on and on, the information in the story is the same, although the details are going to be left out. But the intent of the story will always remain the same. And this is what Luke did. Stories of the Lord Jesus Christ was being told of him. But the intent of the story never changed. Uh, this is kind of explain what some, uh, why some of the gospel, if you look at gospel of Mark, that he doesn't have all the details of Christ. He has little snippets of stories. But Luke have a completed detail, to a certain degree, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because things was done by word of mouth. We kind of get the understanding of this. If you turn over to the last chapter of John's Gospel, John chapter 21, verse 4, you will understand what I'm saying. It says in John chapter 21, verse 24, there are also many other things that Jesus did where every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. John is saying that there are many details that were left out. John chapter 21, verse 24. He's saying there, there are many details that was left out, not because the information is unimportant, 
but because it is not privy to the intent of the story. It is not privy to the intent of the story. Now we, if you read a biography today, they do the same thing as well. You don't read a biography, well, if you do read a biography, and it says, day one, such and such took a bath. Day two, such and such combed his hair. Day three, such and such ate breakfast. No one reads a biography like that. There is no such thing. When an author writes a biography, is telling the general story about that person. This is what the gospel writers did. And this is what we see in John chapter 21, verse 24. If you look at verse 2 in Luke chapter 1, it says, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, have delivered them to us. Uh, collectively speaking, Luke's gospel, along with his second book, the book of Acts, takes up a third of the New Testament compared to other writers. Apart from the Apostle Paul, Luke has written more than any other New Testament writer. Uh, Luke is only mentioned, like I said, Luke is only mentioned by name in three times in the Bible. And what we don't know too much about him, but what we do know is that he was a historian and a theologian. He was a historian and a theologian. Because he chronicles the beginning of Christianity, which is the book of Acts. As a historian and theologian, Luke's primary source for writing his gospel was not only word of mouth, but also the apostles. Also the Apostles, And that's why Luke recorded what he said again in verse 2. Just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. Luke is saying, although I was not a personal witness of the accounts of Jesus, I received my information from first-hand eyewitnesses, the apostles. He is not giving us third or fourth information. This is important. This is why we can trust what he has written down for us. Because we can consider the writings of Luke along with the rest of Scripture as historical facts. Because it came from first-hand witnesses who were there with Christ, who have seen Christ. Listen to me. Again, the apostles 
were first-hand witnesses. This tells us that Scripture is not is not only reliable but true and accurate. The Gospel of Matthew was written 15 years earlier, I mean, after the life and death and resurrection of Christ. Mark's Gospel was written 30 years after the life and death and resurrection of Christ. John and Luke's Gospel was written at least 40 years after the life and death and resurrection of Christ. And these were men who were afraid of what they could have faced during the ministry and trial of Jesus. They were locked in a in the upper room because they thought they would uh, they would face the same persecution that Jesus faced. My point is they were they they believe in what they saw. They witness what they saw. They experience it. This is why John can say what he said in First John chapter one verses two. I mean one and two. Turn there. It says First John chapter one verses one and two. This is why he can say what he said. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life. This wasn't some glib that the apostles were giving us. They seen the risen Lord. They experienced him. This is something that Paul kind of mentioned in Ephesians chapter two, verse twenty, that the church of God was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The apostles' teachings is why we do what we do as a church. It is why we elect elders, deacons, deaconess. It is why we take up the Lord's Supper. It is why the church practice church discipline. It is because of what the apostles have written down in Scripture. This is why Luke said what he said. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. So I have to say, if you, if you don't accept the writings of Scripture as historical, reliable, and unadulterated, that to believe as true, then you will fall for every other false gospel that is out there today. You will fall for every other false gospel. 
That's the only alternative I see. We know that there are many false gospels, are they not? The gospel, since the beginning of Christianity, false gospels have been arriving, popping up. It's like the whack-a-mole. You pop one down and one just rises right back on up. The apostles themselves, they fought against this. The apostle Paul fought against this with the Judaizers. The Judaizers were saying that, yes, you can be saved, but you also have to abide by the Mosaic law and be circumcised. That is not the gospel. In fact, if you, if we just have a timeline from the beginning of Christianity up to this, up to this point as I speak, we can list a lot of false gospels. In the year of 140 AD, which is 107 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a guy by the name of Marcion Sinope, who was a sailor, taught that the God of the Old, I mean, the Old Testament is not the same God of the New Testament. We have that today. People say that now. People say, well, Jesus is a different God. He is more gracious, but the God of the Old Testament is more hell and brimstone. That is not accurate or true. In fact, Marcion Sinope, he went so far to publish his own New Testament books. He decided what he wanted to be considered as the New Testament. Furthermore, he also edited Luke's gospel. And I find that very ironic because we're talking about Luke, who has written his own gospel, took the time out to investigate what the accounts were concerning Jesus which making him not only a doctor of medicine, but a doctor in theology. But Marcion took the liberty of editing Luke's gospel. If we continue with the train of thought of false gospels, if you think about it, Roman Catholicism, with the ideal that a person can go to hell and afterwards be saved, which is considered as purgatory. Or the indulgence that they were considering. Another theme from Roman Catholicism is that the belief that Mary was sinless. That is not the gospel that we see in the New Testament. That is not the writings that the, um, the authors of the gospel have gave us. Mary was just as sinful as anybody else. If we continue with the train of thought of false gospels, what about Jehovah Witnesses? That's, just a, that's less than a 200-year-old religion. 
And the main, several of the, some of the main points is that they believe that Christ is the archangel of uh, Michael. That is not what we see here. Or Mormonism. The very idea that God the Father is not God of all, he is a lesser God, and there are other gods who was above him. This is why it is important for us to ascertain what we read in Scripture. To grasp it for ourselves. This is what Luke said, what he said. The things that the eyewitnesses, uh, just as for those from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also having to follow all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account. Luke knew what he was doing. He knew what he was talking about. Verses, verses 4, uh, 3 and 4 together. So as Luke was writing his gospel, he said he did it in an orderly account. It was an account of not in chronology or, or in sequence. That's why you can read one gospel, uh, like the gospel of Matthew. You probably have the Beatitudes in chapter 5, but Luke have other things before the Beatitude in his gospel. It doesn't have to be in a chronology. It doesn't have to be in sequence. Only they have to be, uh, only they have to, to tell you the intent of the story so that you and I may believe that it is true. We see the name Theophilus. Uh, Theophilus is, is, is probably was a Roman um, Gentile who had an, who was in a high place. Uh, we probably this is only speculation, but I say that because what Paul said to Festus when he said "Most excellent Festus," that's the same title that Luke has given. Theophilus. Theophilus is also uh, named in Luke's other book, which is the book of Acts. So the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts were written for Theophilus. We can only, we don't know too much about, actually we don't know anything about Theophilus. Only by conjecture, only by speculation. But my point is, if we look at his name, it means friend of God or lover of God. And out of that comes a lot. So, since the writings of Scripture doesn't give us much about Theophilus, let's make up his story. Let's say that Theophilus really wanted to know who was Christ. What Christ did, why he was persecuted. Let's say that Theophilus was a believer and have paid Luke 
to investigate the matters of Christ. Because if you continue to read the very last, one of the last words is that the things that you have been taught. So someone taught Theophilus the matters of Christ. He was known about these things. Or it was known about these things. What does this say about us? Do we put our best foot forward to know about Christ? Are we investigating what we have presently? The difference between us and Theophilus is that Theophilus had to wait to receive his gospel from Luke. We have the completed word of God. There is no more waiting. All the investigation has been settled. So we can pick up our word and read it daily. Investigate to our hearts are content. We too can be like Theophilus. Truly, truly like lovers of God. Who, adore, who, is, who we adore daily. So the matters, so whenever a false gospel comes our way, we know the truth. We would not be persuaded by false gospels. But we can say what Luke said to Theophilus. That you may have Certainty concerning the things you have been taught. You and I can know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it is certain. It is a fact. It is true. It is believable. It is reliable. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is true. I do pray that we will take it as it is, face value. Everything that you say, we will take it as it is. Because you have moved upon the writers to convey to us about your Son, Jesus Christ. So I pray, as we travel through this gospel, this marvelous gospel, you will continue to speak to us, and we will continue to fall in love with your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray this in his name. Amen.